You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL Podcast. Let's talk some football. My name is Oz Davis. I'll be the co-host of the show. Joining me on the program is my co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how's it going this week? Well, my team is <laughs> definitely going to be hosting the West Final. Yeah, that's what I thought. Our biggest rivals are hitting, have hit rock bottom. I mean... <laughs> It's still, even though we're not defending Great Cup champs anymore, it's still a pretty good time to be a Bomber fan. Mm. It is. It is. For me, anyway, there's a sense of inevitability that uh, you're going to get your chance for revenging last year's defeat at the hands of the Toronto Argonauts. I can't see it going other way, especially after this week of games. Next week. We've found out will be irrelevant. So, aside from the fact that the playoffs are locked, what were your big takeaways from this week? I think BC just hit a patch where they were just too hurt. Too many injuries. They had a long, long way to go and not a lot of chance to still win the West. So, seeing them struggle on Friday night wasn't too surprising especially since Calgary had everything to play for and had earned some momentum the the week before so I'm not blown away by what happened on Friday night but still the scoreline is pretty shocking I okay yeah, let's start there. That's the logical beginning. Calgary Stampeders 41, BC Lions 16. Uh, I was listening to Two and Out podcast uh, last night. And uh, ultimately, Travis Kerr, the co-host of that show, uh, came down to, are we making too much out of this win for the Stampeders? And I'm going to zag against pretty much everybody else and say... We're not. Okay? We'll we'll talk about the Stamps in a minute because they did play an outstanding game. Clearly the best game of the year. Uh, some positive signs going forward in these next few weeks for them. But I will say this. As a guy who is known to make some bets on CFL football, I am counting the minutes until I see the line on the Stamps-Lions game. Because and I'm hoping that it's nice and high. I'm hoping that the stamps are favored by I mean the Lions are favored by a good touchdown or more. Because I'm taking the stamps. Here's why. I think they were this week. I think it was like an eight and a half oh, yeah. point line or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Eight and a half. Yep. 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 And if I were smart, I would have done it uh this time. But I admit it. I uh, woke up around halftime of the show, <laughs> middle of the morning here in European time. Uh, and and for the first time in years, I was not sure what I was looking at. Um, I, 
it was one of these things where there was a disconnect. I couldn't believe how the stamps were ruling these lions. And yeah, some folks want to say that eh, the lions weren't putting all out there, especially in the second half. Of course, Vernon Adams came out. They're trying different stuff. Da, 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 da. But here's, here's the truth. Okay. After week eight of this season, BC was six and one. Okay. In those six wins, they had allowed 15, 0, 6, 19, 9, and 0 points. Okay? Even if you include the 45 that Toronto ran up on them in like week 5, I think it was, that's still, that's under 14 points a game. Okay? Since then, this team has allowed over 31 points per game. In their last four wins, okay, they're four and two in their last six. In their last four wins, they have not won a game by more than eight points, okay? And the thing is, you know, this offense has looked high-flying. I mean, they're only the third-scoring, third-highest-scoring offense, but this offense has looked like a scoreboard spinner all year. But the truth is, they're only averaging 27.5 points per game all year. You know, I think that this team might be in trouble. I think that this defense, I mean, no matter how good Vernon Adams looks, and he did not look particularly good this week, he didn't look particularly good last week either, or the last game, I should say, either. Um, It doesn't matter how well this offense plays. This defense is going to put up a lot of points to the likes of the Stamps, with Jake Meyer at quarterback, who threw for 123 yards. Uh, I can't see this team competing in that Western final with Winnipeg, even if they get past the first round. The truth is, is that this defense gives up way too many points, and we've been taking it for granted most of the year. And I, having it laid out for me like that is... Kind of is a little bit surprising. I'll be honest. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, mean... Tra- I haven't picked up on the trend quite that extremely. But mm-hmm. yeah, we were raving about BC's defense for the first two months of the season. Yeah, Winnipeg went ahead and found a way to counteract their defense. Mm-hmm. We found where their flaws were. If the pass rush doesn't get home, the backside of the defense wasn't going to save them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now Calgary is. Looks like they've exposed another flaw of the defense at the pass. If if you're not going to pass, if you're not going to throw the ball that deep downfield, the pass rush can't get to you, and the running game can run wild. That because what did they run for over two? They ran for over two hundred yards, yards, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, here we go. Peyton Logan had 105 yards on eight carries, plus he's returning punts and kicks. Okay, going into this game, he had 42 yards on five carries. In four games, okay, going into week 20. Kadeem Carey had 114 all-purpose yards on 18 touches, okay? And again, here's Jake Meyer, and by the time the fourth quarter was coming around, he was directing traffic, you know, on that 44-yarder to Reggie Bagleton, who was the leading receiver on this team with 66 yards, okay? 44-yarder to Bagleton. I mean, by the time this game was over, they were letting – the stamps, you know, run this ball. And then, on the other hand, if you're going to have quarterbacks who combine for four sacks taken and four picks, 
You don't have a chance. You don't have a chance. I am not going to be shocked at all if the Stamps pull up the upset. I could see it. Calgary has been undermanned all season. They've had a really bad luck with injuries the past couple of years. Their scouting pipeline hasn't been as good. It feels like this is one of Dave Dickinson's less successful years as far as being able to get the most out of what he's got. But then again, he doesn't have a whole lot to play with right now. But it seems like they finally figured out a way forward. They've won their last two games that were must. Now they can now they can relax next week. They're six and eleven. They're locked into the playoffs. And they they had they left a few games on the field this year. They could easily be more, you know, you could look at this team and go, okay, this is a five hundred team if the breaks went their way. Mm-hmm. They lost to Winnipeg in a game that they should have won. Literally dropped the ball at like the two <laughs> and, and could have walked in with a win. They lost that early in the season, the Saskatchewan, when they had two or three just weird bounces on fumbles or balls that are live balls that were a 14 point swing in a three point game. They beat Toronto. They were right. the one team that beat Toronto when Toronto had all, had something to play for. Mm hmm. They're not as bad as the record looks. No. And what we're and what you're saying and what I'm tending to agree with is BC might not be as good as their record looks. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, I mean the BC offense is certainly worth some um is certainly worth some compliments, but you know, they've looked bad in a couple of games this season. And yeah, you're right. Calgary is one of the few teams that beat is one of the two teams that beat Toronto this season. They have quality yeah, wins. Cal- now Calgary's they- had nothing go their way until the last right. two weeks. Right. Right. And granted, they haven't been as good as they have been in the past. No. They don't have the talent they've had in the past. No. But it goes just but it looks like the one Dickinson that still has a coaching job in the league <laughs> right now has it for good reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh there's gonna be a lot of people in BC they're gonna be disappointed, potentially, potentially in this next game. Uh I certainly am expecting a close game in that Western playoff game for sure. I think a, a lot of people are uh, have been lulled to sleep by this BC Lions team. But the other thing is too, is again, look at the numbers after this game. Now the point differential, despite the fact that again, BC Lions are by far the third highest scoring team in this league. The point differential is is less than 60. And uh, you know, of course the two higher teams, uh, Winnipeg, I believe, is 194 plus 194. Toronto is plus 212, thereabouts. And, and yet, are we even talking this way if BC puts Winnipeg away, like they should have a couple weeks ago? Oh yeah. Oh, of course, of course. But that's the, that's the thing. I mean, uh, BC has looked very good in a top-heavy league, but you know, kind of. Uh, they're three out of three right now. Right. Is what we're saying. Okay. Right. Yeah. Kind of uh, no clothes, Mr. Emperor kind of situation here. So again, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. No. Um, but given what they did last year, coming out of nowhere and surprising everybody with Nathan Rourke, 
to come back and have about the same season without him. If you'd have told a BC fan that in what January, February, when Rourke was clearly not coming back, that they'd be where they are, I don't think they would have. I don't think they would have turned that down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, of course not. No, of course not. And and if you had told a Montreal fan how well Vernon would have played this season, uh, again, <laughs> there would have been that skepticism there as well. Um, but I don't know. There's a limit here, and I think I think we kind of saw it in this game. Uh, you were talking last week about how you were, you wondered if maybe the CFL season wasn't about a month too long. Uh, the Lions are agreeing with you today. I would say. <laughs> right okay so let's go and, on and in, Sask- and in saskatchewan the season's like seven weeks too long the last couple of years <laughs> right both seasons start the year with a winning record both seasons end Owen seven in their final seven games and miss the playoffs um this week uh Nice segue. I could I couldn't decide coming into the show which team I wanted to rip on more at BC Lions or Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but you know, the Riders go out in typical fashion for 2023. Argos 29, Riders 26. Um fell apart at the end of the second quarter, fell apart at the end of the game like crazy. Uh I think I have these numbers here. Um uh, the Making <laughs> making Cameron Dukes look a bit like Anthony Calvillo in the fourth quarter uh, after turning the ball over to end the third as they were driving again, right? Dukes comes in after you know a bit of a uh, controversial hit on Chad Kelly's ankles there in the third quarter. Uh, Dukes comes in, goes ten of fifteen for one hundred thirteen yards, all in the fourth quarter. Okay, 113 yards passing by Dukes. Now, in that fourth quarter, the Riders managed 57 total yards. And 28 of that was in desperation time when they were down by a score, have the ball with 30 seconds or less. Um, the, the, The line from Rod Peterson was, and I was hoping for a little bit more context before we did the show, but the line from Rod Peterson on his own show and on social media was, quote, they've taken the CFL's flagship Marquet franchise and turned it into the worst team in the league. Now, I don't know who they is there, but you can sort that of see. would be writer management. Right. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. And all of a sudden, like I say, you have the fitting end to the 2023 Saskatchewan Rough Riders. What's the future for these guys? Well, they'll be looking for a new head coach. <laughs> and from what I was seeing, when the news came out, I believe it was Monday, because we're recording this on Tuesday night for release, probably Thursday morning, as my guess, uh, is that Dickinson was let go, but it wasn't Jeremy O'Day letting him go. O'Day was also on the hot seat from what everybody was saying. Mm-hmm. He O'Day was basically told that, yeah, you're gonna you're still here, but your coach isn't. So that makes you wonder how hot that seat's gonna be. Mm-hmm. And just like who's making the decisions here? Was that come was that from way at the top to make that call? 
and then you wonder if just sitting here thinking about all the teams in the past that have had boards running them that you just wonder if there's too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, here's O'Day's thing. Uh, he gets to pick his coach, and uh, he's going to have to make it a good one because I see a lot of teams trending up in the West. I see a lot of teams probably with more talent than the riders on them in the West next year. So, <laughs> good luck to the new yeah, yeah. And you trust. wonder if Trevor Harris will be back, if the team's mm-hmm. going to try to rebuild around Jake Delagala or try to find another, excuse me, another quarterback to build around, but they've got, they've got talent there. Mm. It's clear that they weren't getting everything they could out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you wonder who they're going to build around going forward. Yeah. Now I you're mean, now you now it's clear that something's rotten there. Because mm-hmm. two years in a row to crash out from five hundred around Labor Day to nothing. Mm-hmm. Something's broken. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how they go about fixing it. Do they just try to patch a few holes and try to float back up to five hundred and try to climb slowly back up the rankings or do they just go okay what we have here isn't it and let's see we're gonna have to start over mm-hmm. yeah jake delagawa was uh grabbing a lot of optimism around you know the midway point of the season but you know again these past few games has not necessarily shown good judgment has not necessarily made the best in-game decisions. And, no, and that's what he was being praised for in September. Right. I even did it. Right. And now I feel dirty about doing it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on. Everybody's human, Joe. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> um I, I'd rather we... be I'd rather be less than perfect not praising writers if I can help it. Well, okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you. Well, you won't have to anymore. <laughs> not for a it's, while yeah no opportunity to do that <laughs> okay um do how much do we get from the toronto side here uh of course there's a lot of hype on adababoya um nine carries for 109 yards plus a few more on receiving end um do, i mean do i mean again for the, they've uh, the Argos have had the luxury now for about a month of testing out their new toys here. Uh, do do we know anything more about the Argos after this game? That they're talented, deep, and well coached. <laughs> I mean, we've known that from the start, but we just I don't think we realized how deep they were. Because uh-huh. Cameron Dukes, besides emergency action against Calgary early in the season, where they took their only loss, that mattered. Yeah. Every time that he put they put him on the field, he's good. Mm-hmm. If they'd have kept him on the field in Winnipeg instead of trying Brian Scott out, they might walk away walk out of Winnipeg with a win that day. Yeah. Yeah. The Argos have already tied their record for most wins in a season, franchise record for most wins in a season. Um do they go out next week? Do do they try and, and get that single season record next week? Do they have to? I mean, they're oh. facing Ottawa. They're facing Ottawa. Their second yeah. should be sufficient, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're going to coach the coach. They're going to coach to protect some of their star talent. Right. But they're also going to coach to win the game, right? Mm-hmm. 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 That could be interesting. <laughs> that could be yeah. an interesting game. It's been they've been doing a very good job with mm-hmm. this hybrid situation they've had, protecting mm-hmm. their stars, getting them enough game action to have you know not to have rust going into the East Final, but being able to produce. I mean, they lost the one game against Winnipeg because they went really deep into the depth chart, and Winnipeg had everything to play for. Ottawa's not gonna. Yeah, and Winnipeg. O- uh, Ottawa's first string might not be as good as Toronto's second string at this point. Right? Yeah, even coming out of the bye. Yeah, and Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Had oh, come, lead. Ottawa coming out of the bye. That's even worse. <laughs> and in that in that uh, Winnipeg Toronto game, Winnipeg only led. Uh, last what three at the very end of the game? Yeah, Yeah, I I can. I remember remember that one. That's not gonna. (laughs) That one's not gonna be in the Hall of Fame of Winnipeg Blue Bomber victories. It's also one I'm not giving back. But yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't give me a lot of hope for what November twentieth or nineteenth or (laughs) twentieth. Yep, great cup weekend. Right. Okay. So speaking of those Winnipeg Blue Bombers, it was Winnipeg Blue Bombers forty-five, Edmonton Oaks twenty-five to close out the week. Uh, I've I've been wondering on this show lately whether the Bombers should have some concern going into these playoffs. But I think after this game, combined with the Lions game, combined with the Riders game, I think that. Uh, any fears I have are allayed here. I, I think that uh, the Winni- Winnipeg showed uh, they're still the boss of the West. They're still, you know, a, a good favorite, one of the favorites, definitely to win this whole thing. Um, loved how they got off, huh? How about, you know, it's within uh, the first drive and one play by the Elks, they were up 14 to nothing. Um, were you relaxed immediately in this game, Joe? Oh yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, this one meant nothing at that point. I just wanted to see him put out a good performance, and right. I wanted to see some of the depth players do do some talented things, and they sure did that when they got the chance in the fourth quarter. I just didn't want them to because they had to switch mental gears so quickly from we might need this one to win the West to we've won the West. It looks like they just went with what they were going to do as if they had to win the whole thing until it was clear in the fourth quarter they had the game in hand. Okay, let's see what else we got. Mm. I'd have preferred, I think I laid this out last week or the week before, that, hey, if they got that situation, give them their home, make a big dramatic switch, hit everybody, play some more of the starters next week, and you try to allay, try to keep from having three weeks off, but it's probably going to be a more traditional. Okay, everybody sits in the final week, and the final week's game looks like the first week of the preseason, and then we go, and then we wait for the playoffs. I'm wondering about this one. Uh, of course, the big statistic in this game in the league was uh, Brady Oliveira and Nick Dembski became the first ever Canadian duo on a single team to have. Thousand receiving and a thousand rushing yards, respectively. Um, first two Canadian players on a single team, I should say, to do that. Now, 
The question I had for you is this. Oliveira has 1891 all-purpose yards. 109 yards to break 2000. Should should he should they go for it? I think I mean, is that I think he's like 15 yards short of 50 uh, of 1500 rushing. I believe so. Yeah. 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 Give him the yeah. first quarter. Yeah. And then <laughs> sit him down. Yeah. I imagine, yeah, I imagine that's exactly what we'll see. We'll see the starters in the first quarter, uh, and then maybe yeah. early second if they have if Calgary's had the ball most of the first quarter, that kind of thing. Just what you would expect out of a first preseason game: just a couple of drives, keep yourself loose, that kind of thing. I don't see that. I don't see the starters lasting to halftime. Mm-hmm. Now, on the outside, again end of the season for Edmonton here. Um, a few highlights, a few highlights for them. Uh, their fans can't go away completely sad, I don't think. Although, for a little while there, <laughs> Trey Ford uh, breathed some life into this team, but they ended up on a big losing streak. Um, tough schedule, to be sure, but Ending out on a big streak, but still some nice performances. Uh, Eugene Lewis had a monster game, 160 yards on seven catches. Um, the really unfortunate bit, however, was Manny Arsenault, who may have played in his last CFL game. He's being a bit uh, squirrely about that. Only one catch for 77 yards. <laughs> 63 after the catch and couldn't convert that for the touchdown. Uh, Manny, we still remember you in Montreal. We still loves you. Uh, Trey Ford, um, these last few games has been a bit contained. Um, the magic may have worn off on him a bit. I mean, I still believe he's going to be your starting quarterback next year in Edmonton. I still believe that this guy is a viable quarterback in the league. But in this game, you know, he had the fumble on his very first drop back, and he only managed two runs for 14 yards. Uh, so a little bit uh, concerning there. He hasn't been able to break away in these last few games. No, and teams have seen him now. They have mm-hmm. tape. He's play. He's been the starter for half a season. Mm-hmm. They know what his tendencies are at this point, or at least enough to be able to come up with a game plan that would minimize those. So it's going to be up to him and the coaching staff to make the appropriate adjustments. If we would have had another month of the season, we would have probably seen some adjustments at this point. Uh, but we're at the end for the for the Elks until next year. So they've got the whole off season to spring some surprises and maybe start dialing up uh, some, uh, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of a package that uses his legs because it seems like as of late, they're just going with a standard traditional drop back offense and then letting him make a couple of reads and then take off. Use that speed, get him out of the pocket, get him on the run and then let him make his choice from outside the pocket instead of, Hey, can I squeeze through that hole? Can I squeeze through that hole? Like use those legs, use that threat, play the read option game where the defense has to commit to either the quarterback or the running back and can never make the right choice if the quarterback makes the right read. Mm-hmm. Use those skills he's got and make defenses have to worry about him as opposed to, 
okay, we're going to sit him in the pocket and then let him make magic if he can't find somebody open. Okay, so the league is down to six teams um, in the playoffs. Only six teams are going to be playing next week, just three games slate. Uh, Some crazy people apparently are still playing CFL fantasy football, but for those of us who are not, um, what, if anything, is of interest for you in Week 21, Joe? So, obviously, the Bomber game is going to be of interest to me because okay. I want to see I want to see how the team comes out. I want to see, make sure the starters get back to the bench uninjured. That's the biggest hope. See what some of the depth we have can do. I like. I want to see more Drew Brown because, besides the Calgary game this year where he struggled, still came out with a win but struggled. Mm-hmm. Every time they put him in, he it seems like he's making plays. So I just want to see more of that. It's going to be interesting. He might end up being somebody starter next year, and it won't be Winnipeg. I wouldn't say. <laughs> uh, as for Calgary. I mean, I don't think I don't think other teams opening the playbook this game. There's no reason to. There's a chance that these two teams bump into each other in two, in a couple weeks anyway. If Calgary can repeat what they did in BC last week, they will be. So I don't think we're going to see a classic game here. I think it's going to be a slog in yeah. Calgary. I don't. I'm not in tune with what the weather is up there, but I do believe there's some snow on the prairies already. So. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure it it always feels like Winnipeg goes into Calgary late in the season. If it's not the first, the first, if it's not, if they play in Calgary twice, they always seem to have the last week of the season. It's always just terrible weather. (laughs) Always might be a little bit strong, but it seems like that's the way it, it's happened like five times in 10 years. So it's darn close. So not looking for a classic, but I do want to see how player some of the players that we haven't seen much of this year, when they get their chance, I want to see how they respond. Uh, Hamilton and Montreal are going to be in the same exact situation, except they know they're playing each other the next week in the same spot. So I bet you Hamilton leads the first team at home. Lots of, lots of guys on the one game injured list for some reason. Uh, Just and showing absolutely nothing. Just the most vanilla game plan you could ever conceive. Yeah. Ever conceive. Yeah. Uh, Montreal will do the same thing as much as yeah. they can. They're not going to show Hamilton what they have in store for them next week. And then really the other only other thing to really be paying attention to this next week is the same things I was talking about on Winnipeg's end for Toronto. Except Toronto can get to 16 wins, which has only happened once. Yeah. 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 So. That's really what this whole week is. If you're interested in results, that's the one result you're looking for. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I'm going to zag a little bit on that Winnipeg-Calgary game. Again, I think that Calgary is playing to win. I think Calgary is going to show up. I think Calgary cannot afford to take the week off. I think they're still, you know, I, I wouldn't say they're still figuring stuff out, but they're on an up. They finally just they finally started yeah. to to 
come back up in the world is what you're saying. Right. Calgary and Hamilton are the teams that are, they are peaking at this point in the season. They are, they are finding their stride as they say at this point in the season. And I don't think Calgary can afford not to keep that pedal down this week. Um, Even though this is a meaningless game, I think they're playing to tune up here for that BC game. And I think that again, BC has not been good coming out of the bye, especially on defense this season. So Calgary, I think, is going to play this like, yeah, this is a meaningful game for them because they want to be ready for that next game. So I'm looking for Calgary to come out this week. I don't know if they're going to cover. I don't know if they're going to win. I doubt it. Uh, but I think they are going to they're going to play this like a like a meaningful game. I think. I think. Yeah, that Hamilton Montreal game. It's a bit of a disappointment. As as an Alouettes fan, I'm happy that we don't have to play for anything in this game because that might have been a disaster. But yeah, I don't I don't expect much out of this game. And you're right on Toronto going for the record. I also think that Ottawa, the Red Blacks have some pride, and I think that they are gonna they're they're gonna play out this game. But I think to, <laughs> Toronto. Well, we hear, goes, we've heard a lot about how much the team loves to play for Bob Dice. Sure. They have a chance to prove it this week. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lay the record this year on Bob Dice. He got, he was the interim late last year. The team had an upswing. They kept him around. They didn't, they've, they had a, just a terrible run of injuries at the quarterback position and they were undermanned at the secondary. There's nothing he could have done about that. Yeah, I mean, going into this season, who was optimistic? You know, I mean, again, like, recall, it, wasn't, it seems like a long time ago since May, June, but, you well, know, they again, were getting Mazzoli back in theory. Right, right. But that was about the only plus. I mean, we knew coming into the season that they hadn't done much in the offseason. They hadn't done much in terms of acquisitions. They hadn't done much in terms of changes. and that, And that was coming off you know, probably their worst uh, season as a franchise at all. And, you know, they just, the improvements just weren't there. It was clear from early on that this team was pretty undersized compared to most teams in the league. And, you know, there's not much that could have been done here. Now, I've, I've been wondering for a few weeks now whether they can attract anybody next season because they are several players short of a viable roster, of a competitive roster here. So I'm just wondering if there's any problem with being a bad team in the East Mm -hmm. is you don't have the community support Mm. to, and I'm not saying anything bad about their fans here. I'm going to make that clear, but Western teams have a bit of a cheat. Their communities will rally around the team offer players hey you're gonna you're gonna be looking into doing xyz career going forward hey we can get you into this company we can get you into uh, we can get you started when you're not playing hey come intern with us for a few months while you're in the off season help get your career boosted that kind of so that kind of community support doesn't really exist out east Maybe mm-hmm. Hamilton, possibly, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't exist. So you're, and when you're a bad team, you have to overpay. I mean, right. we're talking, I'm remembering this is within the last decade, shockingly enough, when Winnipeg had to pay first string money to a third, to a, to a number three receiver to bring him in. 
and he was the big free agent hit of the offseason for the team, and he played like a third receiver being paid as a one. They hadn't get the team hadn't yet gotten the cachet to say, hey, we're a winning organization, come play for us, because you're getting playoff money, Grey Cup money, and the fans will love you. That wasn't there yet. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing teams that finish with four wins on a consistent basis have to do. They have to overpay and get and for underperformance. Okay, right. So one more week in the regular season. Um Next week, next week we'll be doing the playoff preview. All right, we could have done that this week, but uh, we'll be doing that next week. Hopefully, we will be joined by a guest. And um, yeah, I'm gonna put a bow on it for this week. You got any any last uh, last comments, Joe, for the regular season, the CFL? Nope. Just <laughs> enjoy the games. I mean, it's still fun. Oh sure. Oh, sure. Well, like I said, that wouldn't be a Calgary game. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, Toronto, Ottawa. Yeah, that'll be something, too. Again, you could tell your grandkids about this game, probably this Toronto Argonauts season. So uh, until next week, I'll close the show here. My name is Oz Davis for my co-host, Joe Pritchard. This has been the Rouge White and Blue CFL podcast. We are out of here. See you in the playoffs. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.